This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's Monday, OG. You know what that means. Navy Federal shout out. To the men and women in our nation's military. Thank you for your service. We're so happy that we get to work with Navy Federal to help you stack Benjamins. So here on History Week, we've got a general coming down to the basement today. Big time. Time to go. Now, if it were Navy Federal appropriate, we would have had an admiral. But I think Major General's going to have to do. It'll have to do. <laughs> 30 seconds to air. What do you think about flowers? Where's the tape? Anyone have the promo for the show notes? Wait, where's the Fiji water? Is this, this isn't, is this tap water? 15 seconds. Somebody get the cat. I can't drink tap Grab water. Can, can, can someone tell Joe's mom to stop vacuuming? It's not hard to find. Has anybody this seen feet. my hair gel? Artesian water, natural. Quiet on the set, live in three, two. Live from Joe's mom's basement. It's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and have you ever had to make a decision where it's all on the line? Could you do so if your life and others were literally on the line? On today's show, we welcome Major General Mary Eater to tell you about the courageous girls who stepped out of line, stories of courage from World War II. Plus, home prices continue to skyrocket, so when's the right time to tap that sweet, sweet equity? We'll share that and more during our headline segment. Later, we'll toss out the Haven Lifeline to a stacker with a question about tax shelters. How many different ways can she block the man before just opening a brokerage account? And be sure to put on your thinking caps because I'm dishing out my own World War II-related trivia. And now, two guys who are in formation and awaiting the general, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. First time in a long time, OG and I both have our shirts tucked in, sitting up straight. Shoes are polished. Ready for General Eater. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Monday. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. 
you've made it to another week of Stacking Benjamins episodes, and it's History Week here on the show. Going to talk some World War II, some valuable lessons here, OG. It's a long time ago. People might wonder, what does this have to do with money? These are some people that did some great things for their community. They built some companies. That was all later. We're going to tell their earlier stories on today's show. We also have a phenomenal headline for you. TikTok video. Oh my goodness. So much to do. So little time. Let's get this party started. But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Now, you think we can get the party started now? Anytime you're ready. Okay, let's do it. Hello, darlings. And now, it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. Our headline today comes to us from CNBC. This one made me go, oh boy, not, not sure that- Things that make you go, hmm? Not sure we're eating what the rock's cooking. This one, Jessica Dickler wrote this on CNBC. Here's how to tap your house for cash as home prices soar. Hell yes. I'm all ears. I read this headline and I went, really? Hey, guess what, honey? You know how we don't have any money, right? I just realized we have more of it stuffed in the walls of our house. That uh, rocket mortgage commercial. Have you seen that where, yeah. where they're busting down the oh, walls? Yeah. Cause they heard there's money in the house. Just uh, <laughs> very, very funny commercial, but let's talk about this, about if you are strapped for cash, OG is the house a place that you should go for money. Sure. If you were turning around and selling it to downsize to a smaller house, so then you have lower payments. That's a great idea. But if you're strapped for cash, you're like, I should take on more debt. That's probably not a great idea. That's the thing about this that drives me crazy is that it's not about the fact that this is an efficient way to get money. Because really, I mean, let's back up for a second, OG. Truly, this is an efficient place to get money from. It's a low interest rate, might be tax deductible for most People, yeah. probably not, but it might be. Payments are low because it's spread out over a long time. Well, it's, I mean, but if you're having financial troubles, it's not going to be easy to get because the bank wants you to be able to repay the loan, you know? So if you're having issues, maybe it's not the best place to take money from. And that, I think, is the key, isn't it? That if your behavior is you've maxed out your credit card, you've maxed out your line of credit, you have no cash. And now you're going to go and tap the cash that's inside the place where you live. You haven't solved the problem. Yeah, pretty slippery. And every state's a little different in how they handle this. Uh, also, in Texas, the most you can take out of the equity of your house is 80%. So you always have to have some skin in the game. But um, it's tempting, especially when you see those Zillow numbers. You pull it up and you're like, ooh, my house is worth this. I owe that. I could get out this, you know. Can you do it to refinance? Okay. Could you do it to consolidate some debt? 
maybe, but but I'm with Dave Ramsey on this. That that's that's pretty dangerous if you're trying to take something that was a discretionary purchase, the ubiquitous sweater that you bought at J Crew 32 years ago that you're still paying interest on. Now you want to tie it up in your house, and if you don't pay on your house payment, they're going to come take your house. I'd be really scared about that if you haven't changed the behavior component of that first. Let's say that there is a good reason to take it. Jessica here writes, home equity line of credit versus a cash out refinance. One of those you'd like better than the other? Uh, I think they're kind of sort of similar. I mean, a line of credit is replenishable, right? So if you have a $100,000 HELOC, home equity line of credit, and you borrow 80000 of it, and then you pay down 20000 of it, you can go back and borrow more. Uh, a cash out refinance is you get the cash. And now that's just kind of tied into to one loan if you're going to do it as one loan, or it's a home equity loan where that has its own amortization. So HELOC's more flexible, perhaps, and the home equity loan is definitely more one-time. You got to think about if you're going to refinance your house, the way that amortiz- speaking of the amortization table, OG, the way that amortization table works, if you've got a loan that's at 4%, there's a very small sliver of time where you're actually paying four. In the early years of your mortgage, you're paying 60, 70. Yeah. Uh, and then late in the mortgage, you're paying almost nothing. The amortization table works so that the bank gets their money up front. And over the life of the loan, you end up with that low interest rate. But w- what bothers me on the refinance that people don't talk about is that when you refinance the old loan, you just locked in the fact, and I know it's a sunk cost, but you just locked in maybe a 40% interest rate or what you didn't go from 6% down to four. You just paid out 60 and now you're going to do it again. You're yeah. going to start that process over again. Well, which is why I like the 15 versus the 30, because even though that still is the same, it's the same dynamic. It's just happening at a much faster pace so you're not in that penalty box for as long, you know? I mean, how long does it take on a 30-year mortgage before you're paying the same in principle as the interest? I mean, I'm too lazy to figure it out, but I'm guessing it's probably 13 years would be my guess. And day one on a 15-year loan, you're already paying more principal than interest. So you have to be careful about that. Like you said, if 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 you're redoing it, you're starting from the beginning. That's also the reason why in those early years of the mortgage, it's always great to pay extra on your mortgage. But man, in those early years, if you can pay extra, that can really make a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, time for our TikTok video. You're going you're gonna to flip and love this one, OG. This one that I found. By the way, I found this one and I found several at a place and we're going to give some credit where credit's due here. And you found this originally, TikTok investors. If you're not following TikTok investors and you're on Twitter, you're you're missing out on some fun. But this one is so good that if you do follow TikTok investors, you know that they have now pinned this. I saw this last week, didn't put it on the show. Somebody else sent it to me because it's pretty good. This is a uh, this is a 19 year old telling you where it's at. So people keep asking me, how are you so rich? How are you so wealthy? How are you affording all these cars? I actually don't even use my own money to buy all this. I buy all my real estate with the bank's money, all my cars with the bank's money. I don't even use my own money. You can actually buy cars like these just like I do with no money down, none of my own money at least. So what I do is called leverage. So what I do is I go over to the bank, get money from the bank, use it as a down payment on a house, either apartment buildings, and the money that comes back is all mine. If you want to learn how to be rich like me, follow for more. 
That's how you're rich. You, you go. go down to a bank. Just get it. You get a loan. You buy depreciating assets with that money, and you're rich. Which I, is slightly different than how actual rich people do it. But doesn't all that just make sense? I mean, it totally makes sense. Here's what I do. I take out a bunch of debt. And then I invest it in the stock market I, on I, margin. I buy a bunch of stuff. By the way, this guy is in a parking lot. Have you t- Take a look at the video. The dude is in a parking lot. I think he really is a valet at a upscale restaurant, but he's trying to make it look like these are his cars. Look at it, it says valet. <laughs> On the nice. How do I have all these cars? Well, I get to drive them for free. Let me tell you. Here's the deal. Somebody parks it right in front of me. They hand me the keys and I get to drive it to lot L2, which I will run to very fast later. So I get my $5 tip. Which ain't bad. Hey, which by the way, I am not knocking the valet. I'd I'd rather he does that. I, I, I would. That would actually be a good TikTok video. You know how I drive a Lambo and a Rolls and a Ferrari in the same day? I'm a valet at the Ritz Carlton. (laughs) What's up, everybody? I make a bundle of money and then talks about all the tips they get because he's a great valet. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Leverage is okay, but it's slippery. Leverage might not be. All right. Uh, the general is waiting upstairs, OG, which means we've got some great trivia. And then Major General Mary Eater. Ready? All right, Doug. You got it from here. Hey, Private. I'm First Sergeant Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Just a squirrel trying to get this nut of a basement in ship shape before Major General Eater arrives. If I give an order, all I want to hear is, sir, yes, sir. And if I get any lip, you might as well just drop and give me 20 because there's more where that came from. Even before inspection, I must say, I am absolutely disgusted by the current state of this here basement. It's time to polish things up, soldier. And if you want to know how polished, just check out my trivia question. The first railway built underground opened on this date in 1870 in a European city that was bombed heavily during World War II. What was the city? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can mind the gap. When you become a member of Navy Federal Credit Union, life gets better. And I know I've talked a lot about the Navy Federal app and how easy it is to qualify for a loan and how to get things done. But I got to tell you, when we bought our car, our Volkswagen, it was so easy pitting different dealers against each other using their true car feature. It was just, it, it, I can't tell you how much money we saved using that. We also had a stacker in the basement, John, who saved a bunch of money using Navy Federal as well. And those experiences well, that's why they've created a fully loaded car buying experience. You can finance, buy, protect, and enjoy your auto purchase all through one convenient place. They have low rates and pre-approval that's good for 90 days, so you know what you can afford while you shop. And the cool thing is, is having all of that information in your back pocket, now you can negotiate the price down. The key is not to talk about monthly payments. Figure out your monthly payment if you need a car payment with Navy Federal, but talk to the people selling the car just about the purchase price. Payments come later. They want to talk about payments. You want to talk about purchase price. 
You'll save thousands off MSRP with Navy Federal's car buying service powered by TrueCar. You can also get exclusive member savings with Carfax, which is unbelievable, Geico and SiriusXM. They're always available with 24-7 member service representatives to answer any questions. Learn more at NavyFederal.org forward slash car buying. That's NavyFederal.org forward slash car buying. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Your actual savings off MSRP may vary. Navy Federal Credit Union is federally, federally insured by NCUA. Hey, stackers. I'm First Sergeant Neighbor Doug, and I am sad to declare defeat. But I think General Eater will be sorely disappointed. I specifically asked OG to shine his shoes, and he willfully ignored my orders. Who cares if they're swayed, OG? And then there's Joe. I ordered him to make up his bunk, but there his cot sits with his Mickey Mouse comforter all sloppy and the pillows on the floor. That bedspread should be tight, private. Watch as I bounce a quarter off this trivia answer. The question was, the first underground railway opened on this date in 1870 in a European city that got bombed heavily during World War II. What was the city? The Metropolitan Railway, later nicknamed the Tube, as Londoners call it, opened in 1863 and used gas-lit wooden carriages hauled by steam locomotives. Bet that smelled great. And ran under downtown London. Later, the tunnels were used as shelters often during a period known as the Blitz, which ran from September 7, 1940 to May 11, 1941. The Blitz was an intense bombing campaign undertaken by Nazi Germany, during which, for eight months, the Luftwaffe dropped bombs on strategic cities across Britain. Now that you have your answer, let's get the Major General's verdict on this here basement. Here she comes. Attention! And coming down the stairs to the basement, it is General Mary Eater with us. How are you? Great, great. Those are good cookies, too. I'm glad I came. Well, I'm, I'm glad you did. Well, Mom is always happy, too, because she loves, number one, she loves history. Number two, the stories of courage. And we talk about the little courage it takes to be an investor or just to someday, you know, to go to work, to ask for a raise for these little things. These women that you profiled, General Eater, the courage in this book is incredible. It amazed me. And, and I'll tell you, I found these stories beginning at just quite by accident. I was reading the Sunday paper and found the obituary of Hilda Eisen. This was in 2017, and I had to read it three times just because I was so blown away by everything she'd done. And I collected a few more after that. I know how it sounds to say you read obituaries, but as the greatest generation leaves us, these are great stories. And I just couldn't quite help myself from beginning to really follow them. The title of the book, I think, has a lot more significance than I thought at the beginning when I first saw it. Where does the title of the book come from? Well, this is in 2019. It was sitting there watching the Emmy Awards. Alex Borstein stood up to receive the award for the Best Supporting Actress. And what she said was, in World War II, my grandmother was about to be shot into a pit. And she turned to the guard and said, what happens if I step out of line? And he said, well, I don't have the heart to shoot you, but somebody will. So she stepped out of line. And for that, I am here today. And for that, my children are here today. 
So step out of line, ladies, step out of line. So absolutely powerful. And I want to begin, I want to ask you about Hilda in a moment, but I'd like to start with Alice, who's the first story. I'd love to start this at the same place that you do, General Eater, because your book opens like we're at a chase scene of a James Bond movie. So here's what's going on. Alice is driving fast down the road. You open with her driving very fast. She is trying to grab for, a, I think it's a revolver that she has next to her on the seat. She's just left this guy's house where she's, I think, pretended that she's in love with him. She snapped pictures of some documents. They're going to be very incriminating to the Nazis. And she's running away or she's driving away and there's a car chasing her. And it's become clear that this car is going to catch up with her. And she's fairly certain that she's doomed. Do you mind finishing that story for me? Because that is just a powerful way, to, powerful way to start off the book. Well, she's in Switzerland and Alice is a tennis star, a big tennis star in the 1930s. She is there with an old boyfriend who she's taken up with again. And she was asked to do this by the U.S. Army Intelligence. So what she's done is find in his home evidence that he's been laundering money for the Nazis. So as she's stopped finally by this other car, it's, oh, good. It's the guy who is my contact in the Army, my intelligence contact. I had, by the way, when I read that, I had this big sigh of relief. I was like, oh, thank goodness. (laughs) Well, and then you were surprised again because... He turns out to be a not good guy, and the person he's with is a Russian spy. They want the camera she has. She ends up getting shot. They take the camera, open it. The film is destroyed. Alice wakes up in in an army hospital in Germany, and her contact there tells her, you know, I'm sorry, but we've lost everything. And she says, you forget I have a photographic memory. So all of the evidence that she's gathered is used at the Nuremberg Trials in convicting some of the banks in Switzerland for laundering money. It's so powerful, this story of just the courage that she had and being in that situation. But this is just just to be clear for all of our stackers out there, this is not a woman with a background, General, in espionage at all. Tell me about Alice and about her upbringing. Well, Alice grew up in San Francisco, and she was a tennis player phenomenon, even as a 14-year-old. So when she started to play in the major tournaments, she won 18 grand slams in about six years. Now, Serena Williams has won 23, but she's played for much longer. And tennis wasn't quite the where you go to camp as a kid and you have all types of coaches. You know, she developed herself. And when she was, I think, right about at 1940, she said, I need to go pro. I, I need to earn money because amateurs then made absolutely nothing. So this wasn't great timing uh, because just after Pearl Harbor, there were no more tennis exhibitions. There were no more tours. She tried to get into the Army. Everybody was in a uniform of some kind at that time, but she'd had TB when she was younger and she wasn't eligible. So what she did was perform for the troops. She did tennis exhibitions for soldiers. She would sing in bars in New York uh, that were canteens for soldiers And she was approached one night by a guy who said, hey, you know, I'd really like you to endorse this project I have. And she said, show it to me. So he does. And she said, well, I'd rather be involved with this so I can help you. And this was Wonder Woman. So she became one of the senior editors for Wonder Woman. 
And while she's working on that is when she talks to army intelligence about going back to Switzerland and meeting up with an old boyfriend. Boy, and she had she was just coming off a really bad time of her own. Uh, you write that she had been married and found out that she was pregnant. Her whole life at this point is a disaster. Really, was was a tragedy. It's tragedy. It's triumphs. It's continuing to fight to be able to have an impact, to make a difference, and to do the right thing. And I think that's true for all of them in this book, even if they're and they are wildly different and the things they did in their lives, because it's not about the job, it's about the life lessons. That's, that's a powerful message, because not only her, but all these women went on to do some phenomenal things later in their life. Uh, Alice had a big role in working against systemic racism. She did. That's what she did in the 1950s, was one of her protégés wanted to play in what was what is now the New York Open. This is Althea Gibson. African-American tennis phenomenon of the next generation. And Alice took on the entire tennis establishment and called them out. You know, do not be such hypocrites. If you want to settle this issue, let's settle it on the court. So Althea was permitted to play. She won the U.S. Open and the next year she won Wimbledon. So Alice coaches Althea Gibson, who then also mentors Serena and Venus Williams, who are now mentoring the next generation. So there is legacy is a big piece to this too. You mentioned when we first uh, started chatting that you originally had found the story of uh, Hilda, her original name, Hilda Gimple, and she's in Poland and she's in a town that is mostly, based on what you write, it, it's, it's mostly a Jewish town. I think you said 7,000 people live there, 6,000 of them were Jewish. So predominantly Jewish town. W what happened with Hilda? Well, when the Germans moved into Poland in 1939, and the Russians also moved in. What happened with Hilda's town was that the Jews were forced to move into a ghetto in the center of town. So Hilda has six brothers and sisters, but she's newly married. She's 22 years old. She and her new husband escape. She escapes from the Nazis not once, not twice, but three times. So after that first escape, they travel through the countryside. They end up in small towns. Her husband is a mechanic, but finally they're caught and they end up in a ghetto themselves. He delivers groceries for the ghetto, and so he talks them into letting them out. She talks the gate guard into opening the gate, and away they go. They escape again. It's amazing. So you said, you said by the way, not to cut you off, that... The guard seemed not that smart, you wrote. That the, the guard, she, she felt like it was kind of a flimsy excuse, but the guard let her go yeah. and she wasn't coming back. Right. Yeah. Please open the gate for me. But maybe nobody else asked, or at least not in the way that she did, because she made it sound convincing. So she escapes from the ghetto. And after that, they live in the forest for the next few years. I can't imagine living through the winter in Poland and sleeping on the ground in the open because they couldn't have fires. They couldn't afford to have smoke and you know, give away their location. There were groups throughout this forest who were partisans fighting against the Nazis. Some of them met up, some of them worked together, but they were there for several years before she was captured again. When she was captured, she's put in jail. She is given a bed of of hay, you write, I think, mm -hmm. and she hears these horrible noises coming from the next room or she realizes that that the guards are forcing themselves on the woman in the next room and she realizes that's going to be her. 
So she decides that she's going to, she's, she's going to escape. And once again, I've, as I'm reading your words, I'm holding my breath as she's opening this window. Cause she's, she's not on the first floor. She's on the second floor and she's opening the window. <laughs> if you don't mind, finish that story for us. There's no hesitation. She jumps right out the second story window, breaks a small bone in her foot, but oh. runs. She has no shoes. She's running in her socks. And there is a guard out there who, again, a lackadaisical guard who shoots at her, but shoots over her head. She doesn't stop. She doesn't look back. She keeps going, climbs the fence. Now he shoots too low and misses her. Over the fence she goes and runs all night long to get back to the forest. She has this idea, it seems like, like he missed on purpose, you wrote. That's what she thought at the time, because certainly she believes he could have taken her down had he wanted to. But he appeared to just not be that concerned. Wow. So she goes back into the forest, meets up with her husband, gets some help from a farmer. But unfortunately, the farmer's, um, if I remember the story, the farmer's horses pass away. The farmer's horses die. And uh, the farmer gets really angry, and now they, they get in prison, what, the, the third time? Well, after the, the death of the farmer's horses, because he loans the horses to her to get, get back to the forest, and her husband turns them loose to return to the farm, well, they fall into a pond and drown. So the farmer is very angry now. And, and many of the Polish people had great resentment against the Jewish members of their community. So they come after her husband and kill him. So we get to the point where she's at the end of the war, goes back to her what had been her hometown, and there is no one and nothing left in the Jewish neighborhood. There are, I think, three couples standing there, three three men, three women. They're not really couples, but they're the survivors, the only survivors. And there they are looking at this devastation, and they're still not safe. So it's what do we do now? Do we go forward? Do we go together? Where do we go from here? This is how she met her new husband, who who you also write, they weren't in love. <laughs> they they didn't she did not love him, he did not love her. Why would you get married to somebody that you don't that you don't love? They're the only ones left. They grew up together, they went to school together. He quit school at 13 and went to Warsaw where he worked in sausage making factories. Uh, this is Harry, Hilda and Harry Eisen. And Harry was probably dyslexic and that's why he quit school. But they decided to go forward together. They end up in Germany. They had to get out of Poland. They were given a ride by the Russians up to the crossing the border where the Americans were interrogating people to see if they were genuine refugees coming in. So they stayed in displaced person camps for the next two years. Many people at that time were emigrating to Israel or to other places. But Hilda had a very distant cousin who lived in California, who was their sponsor, and they came to the U.S. And they ended up, by the way, stacking some serious Benjamins when they got here. Yes, they did. And I think you escaped from the Nazis three times. You've lived in the forest for two years. Your only remembrance of your entire family is a little piece of embroidery, a little piece of dirty cloth that hung on the wall. And yet you are able to go forward. So they, they move into a part, an apartment. They know no English. There is a Jewish resettlement group that supports them. They're trying to read the newspaper to figure out what America is like. And that year at Christmas, when they now have a young baby, the neighbors bring over gifts. This has never happened before. So Hilda is just 
shocked to open the front door and see gifts on their doorstep. The feeling of belonging after all of these years of persecution and nothing, it just had to be overwhelming. So with belonging, with community, with we're going to make our way, they they learn English, they save their money until they get $5,000 and they buy some chickens. So Harry's in the backyard talk, sweet talking to the chickens. Hilda's packaging them up and then he sells them on the back of his bicycle. That's how they get started. Bit by bit, they grow that business to where by the time they sold it in the year 2000, they were the largest egg producer west of the Mississippi. They employed 450 people and they were millionaires. And not only that, you talk about the humanitarian efforts that they had as well. They were huge humanitarians and helped so many people. They did. They gave back in every way they could. They belonged to several different organizations that were philanthropic um, in the Los Angeles area. They lived in Beverly Hills, I believe, for a number of years. One was called the Logser, and I'm probably mispronouncing it, organization that supported uh, Jewish charities and Israel. And they also <clears throat> supported a group Group called the 1939 Club, which was made up of a number of refugees from Poland. So they didn't just get together to play cards and reminisce about the old days and share recipes. They also did quite a bit for their community and supported others as best they could. It's so powerful. The um, she, she died not that long ago. She died in 2017 at the age of 100. Wow. When you were getting involved in this, and I'm reading the introduction, you have an in you have an introduction that, that made me laugh and not because, not because it was funny, but because of the fact that you're, you referenced this document that was written at the beginning of World War II about getting the most efficiency out of women and about how women aren't particularly motivated, but you can really make them motivated. I want to hear the story about how you found this document because I can, I'm just imagining you in a library someplace or online someplace and you happen upon this thing. Tell me how you found that. I was working in the Pentagon at the time and someone showed it to me because they had used it in a presentation talking about social and cultural prejudices and how that leads people to make judgments that are unfair and really, I think, unremar not unremarkable, but they lead you to having false views on how people can perform and how teams are formed. And that was how it was used in this session. So I had saved that article and I, and then I looked it up to make sure it was real and not just an invention. So I had I'd seen it verified that yes, this did appear in a magazine about transportation. And it was all about, well, if you have to hire women, try to make sure you hire the ones who are married because they behave better. The ones who were are a little bit more outgoing and self-starters are probably the younger ones. And, and it was, it was really offensive in many ways, but it tells you quite a bit about the culture of the times. You talk about the culture then, but still, and you write this, most of these women, they never asked to have their stories told. They never bragged about what they did. In fact, uh, the third woman that you talk about, Stephanie Czech Raider, I believe, her neighbors are shocked to find out that she's part of this super group during World War II that did some some amazing things. How do these women's I mean, your your book obviously is a is a step in the right direction, but I still got this overwhelming feeling reading it that there's so much more that we could do to shine a light on some of the heroic actions that many of these women had. Well, I think some of it is was intentional in terms of culture. You know, at the end of the war, the men are coming home. They want to go back to school. They want to get the jobs and women go back to the homes. Let's go back. And I think there are lots of lessons in going back because we can never go back 
to the way things were, no matter when that is, we always have to go forward and find new ways. Some of them could not. Some of them were stuck. Some of them were unable to talk about what they did because it was classified. Nobody ever knew what Stephanie Czech did in Germany. I found some of that much later. And then what she did in Poland, because those files were not unsealed until 2008. And that's why her neighbors never knew what she did. A lot of the women in this book, you know, their families didn't even know what they did. So amazing to me. When I speak with historians, I always find, it seems, that historians have two things. Number one, they're surprised by something that they found out. What, what, what surprised you while you were researching these women? I was surprised first by the connections that many of them had to each other in many ways, or they had been in the same place at the same time, or they faced the same types of challenges, even if, again, even if the jobs were different. So for many of them, it was about risk, taking those risks, the stepping out of line piece, and then doing it because it was the right thing to do, but not because they expected a reward. Stephanie Check was in Warsaw right at the end of the war. She was in X2, so she was a counterintelligence agent because her parents had been Polish immigrants to the U.S. She spoke Polish when she started grade school and then had to learn English pretty fast. So there's all types of stories and themes here, but you have to look for them. You know, we can we can watch the news every day. We can read uh, magazines, newspapers, and we can do that on a shallow basis, I think, and just skim the surface. But when you look more deeply, you can see connections and themes, whether it's risk, reward, the connection between people and the way they were able to rely on one another or learn of other stories. And that was helpful to them. And then what legacies they had. But I think overall, the real overwhelming lesson for me was one of belonging and how important it was to belong, to be valued, and to be able to make a difference, to even have that opportunity. It's funny you use that word belonging because the second thing I noticed from historians is they usually come at it from a point of connection themselves too. And I know that you had mentioned that you, speaking of acceptance, you had a struggle getting accepted into college. And was was that part of your connection to this? Well, that that is a motivation for certainly many things in my adult life is that of understanding how important opportunity is and that it only takes one person to open a door for you when so many others have kept it closed. I had a hard time getting into college, any college. Um, I had been turned down by many of them. I wasn't a great student in high school. I was probably a C student, probably couldn't get into anything now with that great average. But Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania talked to me, met with me. That There were career counselors who interviewed me. Yes, yes, I promise I'm going to study hard. I will do well. And I got in. I forgot about that. Several years later was when the first passage of the Freedom of Information Act occurred. You could go to the dean's office and see your records. Uh, this was before there were any processes for how you got to see files or information. So they just opened it up. So here is the paper file. They let me sit in a conference room alone. The dean looks in on me and you know he's hoping that I don't have any questions afterwards. And so I go through it. There's dean's list, dean's list. Oh, there's the letter from my high school guidance counselor which just rocked me. The dean came back in and he said, he just said, what? He could tell by the look on my face that I was just shocked. And I said, look at this. So the letter said, I do not recommend Mary Kay for admittance to any college. She is not intelligent enough to complete it. Whoa. So here at 20 years old was the realization that I might not have had any career at all. 
any education opportunities at all because one person had said no, but one other one said yes. So that has certainly made me loyal to my alma mater. You bet. <laughs> I bet. Um, that would make me loyal too. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. Their colors may be red and plaid and I'll wear them every time I go there. You bet. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and it's interesting because so much in the same vein as these stories that, you know, the woman who steps out of line and nobody does shoot her, the guard who maybe missed her on purpose, the people that uh, that came and got Alice while she was bleeding and just all mm-hmm. of these little tiny things that ended up making such a big difference for so many organizations and these people that were able to give so much afterwards. It's just very powerful to me. The book is called... The Girls Who Stepped Out of Line. I'm imagining it's available everywhere. It's available everywhere. And it will be everywhere plus everywhere by August 3rd. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us and talking about this history. It's fascinating. And uh, I I think for everybody, it just is so powerful to see the courage these women had. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let me know when there's more cookies and I'll be back. (laughs) All right. We got to bribe you with cookies. That's the. It works every time. (laughs) Hey, this is Pete the Planner, USA Today money columnist and host of the Ask Pete the Planner podcast. When I'm not fixing the weirdest financial situations you've ever heard of, I'm stacking Benjamins. Big thanks to General Eater and I got nothing. How, how do you uh, how do you follow up with those? You, you can't. Just the bravery. Learn from history. I'm so glad she took the time to stop by and tell us some... Uh, some important stories. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. It, feel, it feels bad by the saying life's important questions after that, right? Third most important question. Yes. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first, your loved ones and your time. I think General Eater just confirmed that. That's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. You go to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now, you get a free quote. It's a simple application. They have... No waiting several weeks for a decision, really lovely customer support, and these awesome online calculators. So people aren't sure what they need. I don't like a lot of the calculators. I really like the Haven Life calculator. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. So let's throw out the Haven Lifeline to drum roll. Hi, I have a question. Let's say if I max out a 401k and a Roth IRA and a 457, but I have access to a 403b, should I save additional on my 403b or should I just open a taxable account? Retirement savings is about $1 million. Uh, rental income of $500 cash flow. That's about it. Thank you very much. Thank you for that question. OG, access to a 403B as well. Save money into that or go with the taxable brokerage account. Well, if you're already contributing to a 401k and you have access to a 403B, you can do one or the other. Both of those together can only equal that maximum 19.5, or if you're over 50, you get to do the catch-up. But let's say you have two jobs, right? You work at one job and it has a 401k and you're a teacher and you have access to a 403b. The contributions can only total that 19.5 between those two. A 457 is a different program and allows you to do another 19.5. So if you have access to, and this happens a lot in 
in uh, schools, school systems. It happens a lot in the medical field where you can do both a 403B and a 457. And if you can do both, those are the two that you can do. So if she's already contributing maximum to a 401k, also maximum to a 457, and now has access to a 403B, that's off the table. The only thing that I would use the 403B for is to double check to see which one's going to be best for you to put the money in, you know, which, which company is going to be better for, for investment choices and whatnot. So this is a really easy one. Stump OG didn't work. Uh, we're going to go brokerage account because it's the only answer. And, and there's another answer here. Even if she had room, if all of her assets so far are in tax advantaged accounts, I like the brokerage account anyway, because you see this, I'm sure, OG, the people fall into this tax trap. I don't want to spend any of this money because I don't want to pay the tax. And because of that, they end up having less life. They do less stuff. And as General Eater just showed us, you have no idea what's coming at you around the corner. Yeah. It's a very real thing, especially as you kind of forecast out in the future. If you've got a million dollars in qualified plans and you're 50, and we talked about uh, last Wednesday about the power of compounding, and you think, okay, I'm going to be putting another 20000 a year into this or 26000 a year into this, and it's going to grow over the next 20 years, plus these contributions are going to grow, you could easily have 2 or $3 million in your 401k or in your IRA pre-tax when you turn 70, and Uncle Sam comes knocking on your 72nd birthday and says, gimme, 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 it's my turn. You've had long enough to defer all of this. So it does cause a real issue. Okay, a little ugliness. So I like the flexibility, have a, have a little in each. Roth, pre-tax, brokerage gives you a ton of flexibility and, and you can optimize your distribution strategy in retirement, no matter what the tax rates happen to be 10 years from now. We call that the tax triangle. You want to try to balance those as OG, as you just said, uh, flexibility later on, uh, tax breaks today, cake, eat it too. I have no idea where that, does anybody know where that phrase came from? I mean, if only there was a place where we could look it up, have your cake and eat it too. Mom says that all the time. And I think if I got my cake, I'm, I'm damn well eating it too. Like I'm going to. Oh, you think you can have your cake and eat it? Yes, I can. I can. can and will. Yes. Why Why wouldn't I eat it too? I don't get it. Anyway. Well, uh, I do know the answer to this. It's actually uh, from, I, I learned this in Latin class. I don't remember the exact translation, but it uh, it's from uh, Confucius. He also spoke in Latin. Uh, it was about, you know, having your um, goat actually was what it originally said. If you have a goat, you can eat it too. But sadly, once you eat your goat, then you're kind of, you know, out goat, of goat. Goatless. Yeah, at that point, you know, it's kind of a one and done type of thing. So that's kind of where it came that's from it. originally. That's it. Uh, that's our part of the history lesson. General Eater had hers. OG had his. Well, one of those may be correct. Staggybenjamins.com. The, the woman asking this question is is wondering where we went off the rails. And we wonder the same thing sometimes. Uh, about 10 years ago. Stacky when we started the podcast. Staggybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. Get you to the Haven Lifeline. And uh, we do not have, uh, if you were the person that sent us this, we don't have your email. We would love to send you for being brave and asking that question, we would love to send you a Stacky Benjamin's Haven Life Greatest Money Show on Earth Circus t-shirt, suitable for wearing. Some people have suitable for framing. We have suitable for wearing. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, though, gets you to the stump OG line. All right. That's going to do it for today. Man, there's so many people to thank. I think we're going to let Doug do most of those honors, but thanks so much to you for spending time with us. If it's your first time here, to make sure these come to your playa in the future, just hit the follow or subscribe button. 
where you're listening. And that will make sure that every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have a new show. It's there waiting for you. Tomorrow night, we are in Nashville. If you're a Nashville stacker, join us at the Bavarian Beer House, Stacky Benjamin's Stack Up. We should call the Stack Up instead of a meetup. Okay. Don't you think so? Stack. Everybody brings however many hundreds they want. They yes. stack them up. Bring a stack. We take them. <laughs> it's the way it works. We don't make the rules. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash Nashville. Please tell us if you are joining us tomorrow night. Or if you know what, you happen to be in the area and you didn't think you could make it, feel free to stop by, even if you can't, RSVP. But mom, also, we'd love to have make sure that we've got enough room. But uh, please stop by and say hi. We're going to give away some books. We'll play a trivia game for some Stacking Benjamin stuff. And because it's a podcasting conference, a lot of your favorite uh, personal finance podcasters are going to be there as well. Last but not least, if you are somebody who's looking for better financial planning help in your corner, OG and his team are taking clients in the place to begin when you're ready to go. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG gets you to their calendar and that first meeting to talk about how they can interface with you to help you make better decisions with your money. All right, Doug, you've got it from here, my friend. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, thinking about tapping the equity in your house? Ask yourself why you wouldn't pay cash then realize that if you have money problems, there might be other issues to solve first. Second, take a lesson from Major General Mary Eater. It's courage in the face of adversity that makes the biggest impacts. What can just a little more courage do for your life? But the big lesson? We can totally upgrade this basement and have General Eater in charge if we can just get some more cookies around here. Keep them coming, Ma! To learn more about our guests and for more resources, you can head to our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. To learn more about the impact of women during World War II, check out Major General Mary Kay Eater's new book, The Girls Who Stepped Out of Line, untold stories of the women who changed the course of World War II. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2021, and is created by Joe Saul Cihai. Our producer is Karen Rapine. The show is written by Taylor Stevens with help from Joe and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen, check out our show notes page written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. Brooke and Joe also collaborate on a guide to the show and with lots of extras we couldn't include on today's podcast. Heck, they'll also throw in some life money lessons from Joe, and it's all free. It's called The Stacker, and you'll find it at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacker. Once we get all of this goodness bottled up, it goes over to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart, who helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to talk about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group, The Basement. She also is our social media coordinator, so say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. She and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. For a URL that'll take you right to our Facebook group, by the way, type stackingbenjamins.com forward slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, saying until next time, spray and neuter your pets.
It turns out the cake was a lie. The cake is a lie. So uh, Wikipedia is full of great information. I was kind of sort of right. My memory is a little hazy about uh, idiomatic uh, English proverbs. Uh, Turns out it was English, not Confucius. Oh, swing Um, swing and fouled it off. Kind of, sort of. Started in 1538 is the first known record of it. Uh, Duke of Norfolk said, a man cannot have his cake and eat his cake. So that was the first usage. Duke of Norfolk's a moron. If you have your cake, you're going to eat your cake. But then you don't have cake. But then you don't have it anymore. So, uh, you know, you just kind of scroll through Wikipedia. Check this out. But after a little while, you have some stale-ass cake. There's lots of different ways to say it. You know, have your cake and eat it too. Eat your cake. A lot of different variations of it. In 1812, it was, we cannot have our cake and eat it too, describing the War of 1812. So that wasn't there. Listen to this. In 1996, the eat-have variant, so eat your cake, have it, and eat it too, that was different than than other versions. The eat-have variant played a role in the apprehension of the, of the Unabomber, who's obviously Ted Kaczynski. In his manifesto, which the terrorists sent to newspapers in the wake of his bombings, he advocated the undoing of the Industrial Revolution, writing, as for the negative consequences of eliminating industrial society, well, you can't eat your cake and have it too. James Fitzgerald, the FBI forensic linguist, noted the then-uncommon variant of the proverb and later discovered that he had also used it in a letter to his mother. So this, among other things is what led to his apprehension. So in fact, Ted Kaczynski could not eat his cake and have it too. Well, Stackers, this episode is over, but you know what? Your homework has just begun, and it's not about what you know, it's about what you do. And partnering with the right organizations is a huge part of your success. Well, let me tell you, becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Now, not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt, Begin, stackers, with your debt strategy. Decide what the best terms are and conditions for the debt that you want to take, and then decide on the products. And with Navy Federal, you could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing costs, or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable as you work your way through life. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loans subject to approval.